Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Right. Praise the Lord, everybody. That's who you are. Wow. Amen. We thank you guys for coming out on today. How's everybody doing? How's everybody doing today? How's everybody's week? How was everyone's week? That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Miss Tanya, you're you not only the only one celebrating a birthday on Christmas, but um, Sister Selena is also celebrating on Christmas Day. That's amazing. We got two folks in here that's going to have birthdays, just taking all the shine away from Jesus. I'm just playing. How's everybody? Y'all, y'all doing all right? All right. So we're going to get started today. Y'all know we're in our series through the book of 1 Samuel. Um, we're almost through there. We'll probably be done um, by the end of January. Um, so today we're at the 22nd chapter. Um, this is part two of uh, what I entitled uh, On the Run. So we're on the run part two. Um, at this point, uh, David is fleeing from Saul's presence. Um, those of you that have been following along, you know how that goes. Uh, David was his armor bearer. David was his warrior. Uh, David defeated Goliath, uh, but Saul is the king. Uh, and then there's this complex of insecurity going on with Saul. Uh, so rather than him seeing the strength in David, he tries to kill David, who's his strongest warrior. And this puts David on the run, which is why we're at the 22nd chapter now. You guys ready? Amen. So let's go to First uh, Samuel, the 22nd chapter, starting at the first verse. <clears throat> I'm not going to be long today because we only got 23 verses. Uh, so I'm not going to worry your patience. I might get you out of here faster than you expect. Um, but I want to take the time to go through this text on today. You guys ready? All right. Um, we had an amazing Bible study on Wednesday night going over uh, chapter 21. Um, I don't have a lot of time to go through that. Um, but chapter 21 um, actually t- brings us to chapter 22, where David flees from the hand of his enemies over in Gath. Gath is a city uh, that belonged to the Philistines. Um, and if, you fam- if you're familiar with the scriptures, you know there was a giant there whose name was Goliath. Um, and Goliath, so David runs to his land for refuge while he's fleeing from Saul. And when David realizes that he's in trouble, he acts as if though he's crazy. And his crazy acting self allowed him to escape from the hand of uh, the king of Achish. So Achish, who was the king of Philistine, lets him go. And now David is now here in the 22nd chapter. So David left Gath and took refuge in the cave of Adullam. The word Adullam translated in the Hebrew means refuge. So what David is doing now is he has run and now he has seek a place of refuge uh, in the cave of refuge. When David's brothers and his father's whole family heard, they went down and joined him there. The purpose and the reason why they joined him there is because back in those days, and it's kind of familiar now, uh, when the enemy was after you, he wasn't just after you, but he was after your whole entire family. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but if you uh, look at a lot of mafia movies, uh, when somebody flees town, what they do is they go get their mama, their father, their brother, their sister in them. Uh, So what we see here is David's family realizes that not only is David under attack, but we're under attack. So what do they do is they go and they follow David in the place of refuge. Not only does David's brothers and his mom and his dad all join him there, but in addition, every man who was desperate in debt 
and discontented rallied around him and he became their leader. About 400 men were there with him. So David finds himself running alone. And next thing we know, he looks up and he has 400 people with him. He has people that are in debt. <laughs> he has people that are discontented. He has people uh, that are, are, are in desolate places. Um, and then he also has people who are just fed up with their life. They're under the reign of King Saul and King Saul shows them no mercy. And they realize that they have uh, more uh, safe uh, refuge with David than they do under the leadership of King Saul. So they go and they run with David in a cave. Watch this. So they're in debt. They're down and out. They're the outcast of Israel. And they join David. Who's an outcast left for dead and down and out. But you want to know what's something so significant about this is that if you go a few chapters later, the same 400 people who were down and out, who were discontented, who were fed up, end up being mighty warriors themselves. (laughs) So they chase David into the cave. They follow David. And David has this ability to train other people to be warriors as well. Can I go a step further? Uh, David symbolizes Christ. How when we were down and out, how when we were in debt, we went to seek him in refuge. And we did not just come out, but we came out stronger than we did when we went in. So we see here that from there, David went to Mizbah of Moab, where he had said to the king of Moab, please let my father and my mother Stay with you until I know what God will do for me. I'm taking my time because I want to make sure this is clear today. You with me? So he left them in the care of the king of Moab and they stayed with him the whole time David was in the stronghold. This is the problem that I have in this text. Moab is an enemy of Israel. Why would I trust my mom and my dad and the hands of someone that hates us. <laughs> y- 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 y'all with me? The Moabites come from a lineage of a man called Lot. Lot is a brother, has a son named Moab, and Moab has a brother named Amnon, and they are two of the biggest enemies of Israel. Just a few chapters ago, Saul had beef with Moab. Amen. Go back to numbers. Y'all remember the story of Balaam? They were Moabites. Go through judges. Israel fights the Moabites. So why would David put his family in the hands of someone that is known to attack Israel? Glad you asked. (laughs) David, his father's name is what? Jesse. Jesse's daddy's name is Obed. (laughs) Obed's daddy's name is Boaz. Boaz was married to a woman who got a book in the Bible and her name was Ruth. And Ruth was from the country of which means that David had some Moab in his blood. (laughs) 
<laughs> so he was able to go back to his grandmama's lineage yeah. to find refuge for his family. Yeah. <laughs> Saul was an enemy, but David wasn't an enemy because he had some Moab in his blood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he was able to find refuge in the Moabites because his great-grandmama was a Moabite. So all Jesse did was go home to grandmama's house. <laughs> Y'all with me? Yeah. <laughs> so he says, I'll stay, stay there. He says, so left them in the care of the king. And he said, stay with him. And they stayed with him the whole time that David was in where? The stronghold. Now watch this. Then the prophet of Gad. This is where I want to work. Then the prophet Gad said to David, don't stay in the stronghold. Leave and return to the land of Judah. So David left and went to the forest of Harris. <sighs> David is running. I'm running for my life. Hides in a stronghold. Hides in a place of refuge. And then a prophet comes and says, don't stay there. Keep going. Why would you tell me to keep going? Because if you stay still, you become stagnant and you leave room for the devil to come in, find you and destroy you. Can I take my time for just a couple minutes? One thing that you don't want to do is make a temporary situation a permanent residency. Y'all, y'all with me? I'll show you. I'll, I'll, I'll make it a little simple for you. Just come in. Uh, y'all remember Genesis, uh, the man by the name of Joseph? I remember Joseph. Joseph, uh, he, he, he has this situation with his brothers and his brothers throw him in a pit. Y'all remember that? Yeah. And they throw him in a pit and they, they, they think they got rid of him. They sell him to the Ishmaelites. He ends up down in Egypt. They go on about their business and they, they're happy because he was daddy's favorite. And they like, oh, we got rid of him, daddy. Now I could be your favorite. And, and they realize they still ain't going to be daddy's favorite. Uh, and then something happens. A famine breaks out. And they hungry. They hungry. They ain't got nothing to eat. But they hear that there's some food down in Egypt. So what do they do? They go down into Egypt to go get some food and they run across a brother that they thought they had killed and left for dead. When they buried him, they didn't realize that they were sowing a seed (laughs) for their salvation later on. (laughs) Can I go a step further? When they killed Jesus, they didn't realize that when he went into the grave, they was burying a seed for eternal salvation. See, see, sometimes you don't understand that sometimes people have put you down, but they've building a seed. They're building your character because everything that you're going through is going to make you stronger so you can be a savior to someone else. So we see how they throw Joseph in the ground and Joseph ends up being their savior. They now say, come on, bring daddy home. They bring daddy home. Joseph not only welcomes them, but Joseph gives them the best land in Egypt. Jacob dies, their father, 
And they start crying because they just know Joseph going to kill them for what he, they did to him when he was 17. But he said, you know what? What you meant for evil, yes. God meant it for my good. We got to learn how to be mature to understand that certain things that have happened in our life was part of the process of God to get you to where he needed you to get to. I know y'all don't want to hear that because sometimes we go through some circumstances and trials and tribulations in our life and we want to be bitter for the rest of our life. But can I help you? Some of the hardest moments made you. Thank you. All right, I'm going to talk to myself. Some of the toughest place, we talked about struggle meals last week. Some of those struggle meals helped me. What are you telling? So he has put him in a situation to mature him to where he realizes that I have power to kill you, but I understand that your purpose is greater than my attitude. Woo! Y'all want you know what true forgiveness is? True forgiveness is when you have the ability to hurt somebody, but you don't. Amen. 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 Hmm. True forgiveness is when you come out of it and you're stronger than the person that hurt you. Thank you, Lord. But you hold your peace. That's true forgiveness. You turning the other way ain't really forgiveness. <laughs> That's just, I don't want to see you. Exactly. Uh, but they can walk in a room and stir your emotions. But true forgiveness is when they walk in the room and it don't even bother you no more. Amen. That's right. Amen. Because you're so above that. And can I help you? Some of us ain't there yet. Some folks can walk in this room right now and just aggravate your whole soul. <laughs> and not even say nothing. <laughs> just sit in front of you and you just got thoughts in the back of your mind of what you would do. That ain't forgiveness. You still holding on. So Joseph shows us what true forgiveness is. Watch this. And he brings his brothers down to the land of Goshen, which is in Egypt. It's a temporary holding place till the famine is over in their land. But they stay there 400 years. I ain't never heard of a 400 year famine. They got comfortable in a place that was supposed to be temporary. Some of us have got comfortable in a situation that was supposed to be temporary. So you know what God does is he makes it so uncomfortable for you that he finally puts you in a situation to where you got to go. And you call it the devil. Devil, fight me on my job. No, you pass due on that job. <laughs> so God didn't put a new supervisor in position to antagonize you. So you finally move and get the promotion that you should have had five years ago. But he had to make you uncomfortable. All right, I'm talking to myself. He had to make you uncomfortable till you got up and said, I'm tired of this job. And everybody think you crazy in the office. And God is like, about time. <laughs> I've been trying to bless you. But you got so caught up in something that was temporary that you done settled when I have more for you. So what Gad is saying is don't settle here. Because if you settle here in this little cave, you'll miss your moment of one day becoming king. Mm. Y'all quiet. You're just a few chapters away of being king of Israel. And if you allow this little circumstance of Saul chasing you down with his spear that he has never hit nobody with, 
We done been through about five chapters, saw done through about four spears, and he has hit nobody. Which tells us he has no aim. You're running from someone that can't hurt you. And what he's saying is if you sit here and get comfortable, 20 years from now, you'll be wondering, what if I woulda? <laughs> Some of us have that moment. What would have happened if I woulda went for that job 20 years ago? Oh, man. All right. Y'all just so satisfied. What would have happened if I would have just jumped and took a chance? What would have happened? I'm going to leave that alone. What would have happened if I would have just asked her on a date one day? What would have happened if I would have just started that business five years ago. Oh, I, I like this. I'm hitting y'all all in y'all chest. What would have happened if I would have applied for that position when it was available? What would have happened if I would have went and applied for the mortgage when the interest rates was right? Now you're stuck in a stronghold. Because you didn't move when God told you to move. So what God is telling David here is I have so much more for you. You can't stay still. Get up, get out of here and keep running. If I could talk to somebody today and I know this is very simple. I would tell you, don't get stuck. I'm looking at everybody in here young. Everybody in here young. Don't y'all tell me y'all age. Everybody in here young. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not too late. Uh, it's not too late. Don't live with regrets. Take the chance before you're stuck somewhere for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, talking about I wish I would have. So the prophet comes to David and says, don't stay in the stronghold. Leave and return to the land of Judah. David is from Judah. What he's saying is, boy, get up and go home. So David left and went to the forest. It's okay. David left and went to the forest of Harris. Watch this. Saul heard that David and his men had been discovered. At the time, Saul was in Gibeah sitting, what is he doing? <laughs> sitting under the tamarisk tree at the high place. Always sitting. Every time we see Saul, he's somewhere sitting. Sitting at the dinner table. Sitting under a mulberry tree. He's, he's all about mouth, but no action. We know some folks like that. Could tell you what they would have did, but don't do nothing. Sitting under the tamarisk tree at the high place, his spear was in his hand. Here we go again with a spear. And ain't never hit nothing. And all his servants were standing around him. A bunch of other folks ain't doing nothing. So you sitting here running your mouth, talking about what you should have did, talking about how tough you are. I got a spear in your hand and ain't got no, no bodies. Your spear ain't got no bodies. 
We done been through five chapters and your spear ain't killed nobody. You done tried to kill David three times. You done tried to kill your son. You done threw, you done threw the spear at the dinner table. You, you read the last chapter. He was sitting at the dinner table with a spear. Saul got some issues. And he only fought one time out of 21 chapters. We had the 22nd chapter and Saul had one battle. And in that one battle, the Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord came on him, which tells us that he didn't even fight that battle. <laughs> All talk, no power. His spear was in his hand and all his servants were standing around him. Saul said to his servants, listen, men of Benjamin, is Jesse's son going to give all you fields and vineyards? This is, I'm going to leave this alone. This is someone challenging people's patriotism if they don't vote for them. They're going to take our jobs. They're coming into our country and they're stealing our jobs. This is him challenging the patriotism of Israel. You're going to let him take our jobs? Do you think he'll make all of you commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? I am great. I should be king forever. Make Israel great again. That's why. (laughs) Some of y'all caught it. That's why all of you have conspired against me. Now now he's paranoid. Nobody tells me when my own son makes a covenant with Jesse's son. No one, none of you cares about me or tells me that my son, I'm the victim. This is a witch hunt. Yeah. Forget the fact that I've thrown four spears at people. Forget the fact that I've tried to kill innocent people. This is a witch hunt. Forget the fact that I, never mind. None of you cares about me or tells me that my son has stirred up my own servant to wait and ambush for me as is, as is the case this day. Watch this. Then Doeg, the what? The what? Is that in Israel? <laughs> no. You ain't even from us. How you even get in the room? And you ain't even one of us. How did Doag get in the room? Watch this. And not only is he in the room, but he was in charge of Saul's servants. Answer, I saw Jesse's son snitch. I saw Jesse's son come to Ahimelech, son of Ahitub, at Nob. Ahimelech inquired of the Lord, which he did not, for him and gave him provisions. He also gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Snitch. Now, if you go back to the 21st verse, the Bible says that Doeg was there when David was running. And David ran to uh, uh, Himelech's, to the temple where Himelech is the priest. And he said, do you got a sword? He said, I got a sword. I got Goliath's sword, the sword that you used when you chopped off Goliath's head back in chapter 17. He said, well, give it to me. Watch this. He gave him the sword. But let me ask you this. Goliath is nine foot nine. David might be six feet. What does a nine foot nine sword look like in the hands of a six foot man? So what good could it possibly have been? Uh Oh, I got y'all thinking. So he has this big old sword in his hand 
And then he asked him for some food and he gave him five loaves of bread. I'm going back to the 21st chapter. So David runs, this is 21st chapter, David runs to Gath with a nine foot man sword in his hand and five loaves of bread. Look crazy, don't he? And the Bible says when he realizes that he's in the wrong place at the wrong time, he starts acting crazy. The Bible says he starts spitting all in his beard and oh, scratching the doors. And, and, and the king was like, get him out of here. I don't need this craziness. And he gets rid of him. Y'all with me? So he gave him a sword that wasn't going to help him anyway. Because he probably could barely use it. The king sent messengers to summon Ahimelech, the priest, the son of a high tub, and his whole father's whole family, who were priests in Nam. All of them came to the king. Then Saul said, listen, Ahitub, I am at your service, my lord, he said. Saul asked him, why did you and Jesse's son conspire against me? Paranoid. You gave him bread and a sword and inquired of God for him so he could rise up against me and wait in ambush, as is the case today. David ain't even worrying about him. David trying to run from him. But Saul has in his mind that David wants to kill him. No, you crazy. You just want to kill him. Next verse. Was today the first time I inquired of God for him? Of course not. Please don't let the king make an accusation against your servant or any of my father's household. For your servant didn't have any idea about all of this. But the king said, you will die, Ahimelech, you and your father's whole family. Watch this. Just because Ahimelech was in the wrong place at the wrong time, his whole family has to die. That sounds like injustice, doesn't it? Whole family got to die. Because David just happened to run in the tabernacle where he was. Ask him for some bread. He didn't know David was running from Saul. He gave him some bread. Ask him for a sword. He didn't know what David needed the sword for. He just gave him a sword. And goes on about his business. He doesn't even know that there's beef between David and Saul. But because he gave him bread and a sword, not only does Ahimelech have to die, but Ahimelech's whole entire family has to die because of Saul's paranoia. This sounds crazy, don't it? Yeah. Let's go a step further. Then the king ordered the guards standing by him, turn and kill the priests of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, because they sided with David. For they knew he was fleeing, but they didn't tell me. But the king's servants would not lift a hand to execute the priests of the Lord. That's what I'm talking about. They'd rather obey God than obey the king. But watch this. So the king said to Doag, Doag who? The Edomite. The one that don't know nothing about church. Don't know nothing about, don't know about Jesus. Don't know nothing about no tabernacle, no bread, no sword, no David. He's just trying to get some brownie points. Go and execute the priest. So Doag the Edomite went and executed the priest himself. Watch this. On that day, he killed 85 men who wore linen ephods. He also struck down Nob, the city of the priests, with the sword, both men and women and children and infants and dock oxen and donkeys and sheep, all because of an insecure king. That sounds wrong, don't it? Y'all look 
looking at this like, where's God in all this? What if I tell you God was in this? Hmm. It's going to be a hard one. What if I told you that sometimes God is in our tragedies? <sighs> Y'all ready? Ahimelech is also known by the name of Ahitub. Uh-huh. Uh, Ahitub is the same priest that was with Saul when he was under the mulberry tree and Jonathan went and fought when Saul was scared. Y'all remember that? Um, Ahimelech has a brother whose name was Ichabod. Y'all remember Ichabod? Ichabod and Ahimelech's daddy's name is Pharez. I wish I had a genealogy because y'all like, <laughs> I can't keep up. You lost me already with all these names. Pharez's daddy's name was Eli. Y'all remember him? Eli had two sons, Pharez and the other brother. They were still in the church offering. Remember that? They were sleeping with the women in the church. This is early in 1 Samuel. Y'all remember that? They was doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And Eli, who was the father, was looking the other way when all this mess was going on. And God came to Eli. And what did he say? Go to uh, 1 Samuel 2 and 30. God comes to Eli. He says something to him in 1 Samuel 2 and 30. He says something here. He says, y'all with me? We there. We almost there. 1 Samuel 2 and 30. Y'all can grab y'all Bibles. Y'all got Bibles and phones. 1 Samuel 2nd chapter in the 30th verse. It says here, it says, therefore, this is God speaking to Eli. Therefore, this is the declaration of the Lord, the God of Israel. I did say that your family and your forefather's family will walk before me forever. But now this is the Lord's declaration. No longer. For those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me, I will be disgraced. Look, the days are coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your forefather's house so that none and your family will reach old age. You will see distress in the place of worship in spite of all that is good in Israel. And no one in your family will ever again reach old age. Any man from your family I do not cut off from my altar will bring grief and sadness to you. All your descendants will die violently. This will be a sign that will come to you concerning your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Both of them will die on the same day. And they died on the same day. Hophni and Phinehas died the day that the Philistines came. And Phineas had a wife who was pregnant at the time. And when she heard that her son, husband had died, she miscarried, not miscarried, but she died and given birth and named him Ichabod. But he had another brother whose name was Ahimelech, who apparently was alive at that time. They kept living. But the word that was declared in chapter two was that they wouldn't live long, which tells us that Ichabod must have died somewhere along the way. Now it's Ahimelech's turn. So Ahimelech was there for a purpose. But ultimately, it was always prophesied that he would die early anyway. Which tells us that this whole entire chapter in chapter 22, which seems evil, harsh, 
ignorant and appears to be like genocide was part of God's plan. Mm. All 85 of those guys that died in that chapter were part of the plan of God to die anyway, according to chapter two of first Samuel. Oh, I love when it's quiet like this in here. You know what that shows me? Y'all see evil. Y'all see mean. Y'all trying to question God right now. But can I show y'all something what that shows me? That shows me mercy. It shows me that when Christ died on the cross for our sins, all of God's rightful justice towards us ended. Because all of us should have died in the sins of our fathers. Before you even got to your sins. Before you even got to your flaws. Before you even got to your mistakes. You should be paying the price for the mistakes that grandmama made in 1948. But because of God's grace towards us and because of his blood, the curses and the rightful reasons for God to wipe us out has put a God has put an end to through his son, Christ Jesus. Oh, help me, Jesus. None of us should be here right now. Can I go a step further? We shouldn't even have a Bible. I'm, I'm done. We shouldn't even have a Bible. Because truth be told, the moment that Adam and Eve ate from the tree, the book was over. That's it. Go ahead and preach. Go ahead and preach. But because of his grace and his plan and his purpose and his thoughts towards you, he knew that I have a Nate, a Nate McCoy in 2019. He knew that I have an Ayanna Morfield in 2019. He knew I'd have a Tanya only in 2019. And because my purpose has already been written out, I have to complete my purpose and they should die. But because of my grace, I'm going to keep them alive. That's why we got to give God some praise in here. Because don't none of us deserve to be alive. Forget your sins. You should have never been able to sin because you should have died from the sins of our forefathers. But because of his blood, because of Calvary's cross, I got to sit down. I'm about to holler. Because of his grace and his mercy towards us, because God put a stop to the end of the generational curses that are upon us, we're alive today. I hear a lot of stuff about generational curses. That stuff is over. We are covered by the blood of Jesus. Some things are genetic. Yeah, you got a big head because your mom got a big head. But sin, some of y'all, y'all offended. I get mine naturally. My dad got a big head. But when it comes to sin, you ain't got to carry no sins of your grandmama. That's it. Amen. You ain't got to carry no sins of your grandfather. I hate when people say, well, that's just what we do. That ain't what we got to do. That's right. That's Amen. It. We ain't all got to be poor. Y'all quiet. 
We ain't all got to be down and out. We ain't all got to do drugs. We ain't all got to be alcoholics. We ain't all got to be crack, ad- crack addicts. We are saved and redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And because I have a new name, I ain't got to go. <laughs> I got to close it. Who am I talking to? Yeah, that's them at the family reunion. But I thank God I had a blood transfusion. <laughs> that, that, that's that Morfield blood. But I got the blood of Jesus all up in me. And when they act all crazy and act all foolish and embarrassing everybody, I thank God that, yeah, they partially my family. But I thank God that I'm connected to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's the Morfields. They crazy over there. But I'm so glad I got the blood of Jesus. We saved over here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So this shows us nothing else but God's justice. This was before Jesus. Not before Jesus, but before his sacrifice. Because Jesus always was. Huh? He wanted he come and just Matthew with a little baby or born in a ranger crib or No, no, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelled amongst us. And oh, his name shall be called Emmanuel. For it is God with us. So Jesus has always been here. He ain't no phenomenon that happened 2019 years. No, the phenomenon was a virgin gave birth 2000 years ago, but he was already here. He just took form in the flesh of a man, walked among us and became the sacrifice for us. But he always was. So what this shows us is that before the sacrifice, there was no mercy. Before Christ. We all was doomed in gloom. <laughs> Thank you. So I, 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 I have a hard time with folks that's trying to just live by the law. I thank God for his grace. Because if I just depended on the law, I messed up this week. Amen. All right, y'all safe. <laughs> I think I had some shrimp this week. <laughs> all them laws. All of us have come short somewhere, somehow, this week. You had some pork in those potato chips. somewhere along the line we've come short but because of his grace his mercy protects us and that's why we give him praise because he is just due to wipe all of us out I am the product of an illegitimate child giving birth to me my father is the product of two unmarried people. Biblically, my grandmother should have been stoned. Biblically, my grandfather, who was a married man. This state testimony, this is out there. I ain't, I ain't telling y'all nothing new. He should have been stoned. I shouldn't even be here. If y'all start running through y'all bloodlines, you start seeing Uncle Pookie wasn't all that saved. I may made it and have it all together. But because we confess Christ, it stops. So don't let nobody tell you that your destiny is wrapped into what your family did. Don't tell, don't let somebody tell you, well, statistics show me. Well, I'm against statistics. I'm not a statistic. I'm part of the family of God. 
And God does things differently for his family than he does for the rest of the world. Amen. I'm closing here. I'm give you three points. I'm going to sit down. <laughs> Somebody like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to preach five minutes next time. Yeah. Number one, God's word is always fulfilled by any means, even when we don't understand it. Mm. Which means that it's kind of hard to question God sometimes. Because we don't understand his purpose and his plan, but he does. That chapter, chapter 22, that looked like injustice, didn't it? That looked, that looked, that looked as if though God had no uh, love or concern for his people, didn't it? But if you go back a couple chapters, God gives explanation for his purpose on why he wiped out those 85 people, whether you agree with it or not. There was purpose behind it. So God will live out, fulfill his purpose by any means necessary. Number two, don't get stuck. Don't make a temporary place your permanent. I I feel like that hit somebody today. Don't make this. Don't make a temporary place a permanent residency. There are certain situations that God has put you in for a season as a season of a stronghold. But that's not where you're supposed to stay for the rest of your life. Thank you. Help me, Jesus. Okay. 2020 is going to be a year of change. Who am I talking to? Things are going to shift. Yeah. Doors are going to open. Opportunities are going to present themselves. And I'm not going to have any regrets. I'm going to jump in at every opportunity that God presents before me. So I'm not somewhere sitting in a stronghold because I was scared. Thank you. Number three. You never know who you're inspiring. That's right. I knew that's David calls himself just running away. And meanwhile, his running away from Saul inspired 400 other people Amen. to run with him. Amen. But it also shows us that David is also a powerful leader and an insecure leader. Because he doesn't just allow them to follow him. But he inspires, he instructs, and he equips them to be warriors themselves. <laughs> I don't want you just to come to Hope Haven just to hear me. I'm, I want you to come to Hope Haven because I want you to leave these doors inspired to inspire someone else. It should be a domino effect. We should be just, just bouncing off of each other inspiration. Insecure person is when you want it all about you. You don't want to share no glory because I'm afraid that they'll get more shine than me. So I got to I got to beat you down so I can always look better. No, no, no. The assignment is so that we all look big. How are we going to advance the kingdom with just one person? Amen. So that's all I have today, y'all. <clears throat> I was getting ready. To, I feel like I'm doing a PowerPoint at work. I was about to say any questions. <laughs> Praise God. We're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to take up communion and we're going to get out of here. Um, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, God, for us to just share your word again, God. We thank you, Lord, for uh, just a lot of insight in chapter 22 today, God. God, I pray a special prayer for every single person in this room, God, uh, that may have some fear of launching and jumping out and uh, just doing some uh, daring things in 2020. God, I challenge you, God, uh, God, to inspire them, to instruct them, to equip them, to strengthen them, God, to make that jump. God, empower them, God, to take, God, what you have in them to another level.
And God, I thank you, Lord, for every single person in this room, God, name by name, one by one, touch each and every single person, God, from the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet, God. We pray, God, for healing power, God. We pray, God, that this will be a wonderful season on this week, God, the wonderful holiday season, God. God, that you'll bless every family in here, God, that this will be a season of joy. And God, we give you all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, Please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.